Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the message that I want to share with you today is called a high calling to holy living. As I think about young people, one of the things we'll see in the scripture is where uh, Paul the apostle is giving instruction to Timothy, who is a young man, you know, and it gives the instructions, let no one despise your youth. And it's interesting, as I've served in youth ministry for some years now, the parallels between youth and adults, because there's more than you would think. I remember when I first came into uh, to junior high ministry, I was pretty, uh, I had a pretty strict standard, and I still do to some degree, but I, had a, I have a pretty high standard for our youth, uh, and, and, and as far as how they would pay attention and worship and pray. But you know, it's interesting, even as I, you know, I've had great opportunity to fellowship and, and serve uh, with adults, you know, we're really not that much different. I have to tell you, it's easy to look down uh, on a young person, but I I mean, we really have a lot of the same tendencies uh, as, as do our youth. And even for me, I was thinking about the message that the Lord put on my heart for, or the theme that the Lord put on my heart to take to the camp of boot camp. Wake up. Time to put down the video games. Time to uh, stop vegging out on YouTube and let's get right with the Lord. But let me share like, what the Lord spoke to me just a couple weeks ago as we're out, now we're, we're done with this retreat, and I don't know, God, what's next? What do you want next for this ministry, for me in ministry? And you know what the Lord said? Wake up. Like the same message that I would have for the youth was the message that God had for me. And that's why I've titled today's message, A High Calling to, to Holy Living. A High Calling to Holy Living, because that's really what it's about. That's, this is where God is leading us to, is to that lifestyle of holiness. Now, as I think about, and I want to use the example of the retreat a little bit, right? As you think about that retreat, there was a lot of fun. And I do believe in life, and even for us, you know, like we can say that God desires that we would, uh, we would experience happiness and joy, uh, that we would find enjoyment in this life. And I'll give you a scripture uh, that, that helps reference that. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. And I'm just going to, I'm reading actually today from the New Living Translation, by the way. So a lot of the slides you'll see go up will be from the NLT. But it says that it is God who is richly, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. And so it is important uh, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, to know uh, we don't just have to walk around somber all the time or, or just with a heaviness in countenance. Uh, God desires us to be uh, in a place of joy, happiness, and enjoyment. He says that here, but when we think about holiness, and here's the challenge for us today, the challenge is are we ready to answer the call? To answer the call that God would have towards holiness, towards holy living. And let's look at that definition. The definition of what does it mean to be holy? Well, the word literally means to be set apart. Or I like the, uh, you know, when you look that in the, in the original language of the Greek and the Hebrew, it means otherness. So holy, set apart. And as you think of these attributes, of course, we can recognize them with God. That God is set apart. That he is, you know, he is not a made-up God, the creator of heaven and earth. He is not a, uh, one of our idols. 
Uh, he is set apart from even creation itself. That, that even for us that have a beginning and an end, that God is infinite with no beginning, no end, set apart from creation. You think of that otherness. We know a key attribute of God and his holiness is to be absent from sin. And as you think of our call to holiness, to be separate from evil. So you see that in, in line with that def, definition. It would be discipline and focus and an attention to a righteous living. Now we can look at that and say, is that truly possible? Because we know that the scripture declares that there is one who is holy and that is God. But I would challenge that why it is possible is because God requires it of us. God requires it of us in multiple scriptures, but let's look in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. And here's the, the scripture given. It tells us to work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. And right away, you know, you might, you might feel some of that uh, conviction setting in. You, you, you might look at, start to reflect on your life and say, how far I fall short of that. And, and I don't believe that God would have for us today that we would be burdened. I, I don't believe God wants us to feel condemned but I do believe God wants to challenge us and convict us in moving forward. And day by day and moment by moment to really reflect that question, am I answering the call to holiness? Am I living that holy life that God has called me to do? It's in Philippians 2.13, and I believe I referenced it in our prayer, but it tells us that God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And so what's good is if for a lot of us today, as you hear that, as you hear the challenge to holiness, I hope that you have that desire. And I would say that's a God-given desire. You can, you can assuredly say the devil is not stirring in your heart to live a holy, set-apart, separate from evil, disciplined, focused, and attention on righteousness life. That's not from the devil. That's from God. Well, the same God that gave you that desire promises us there in Philippians 2.13 that he gives us the desire and he gives us the power to do what pleases him. So as, you go, as we go through this message, I think it's important to remember and it's important to focus on where our strength comes from. And I want us to be careful of not looking at a checklist today, but really looking at it in reflection and saying, God, where do I sit and where do you want to find growth in me? Let's take a moment to pray over 1 Timothy 4. And we'll see what God would have. And Father God, we, uh, we come before you, God, as the one and true Holy One. Uh, God, we ask that you would just anoint the words on this page into our hearts and into our minds. Lord, that we would individually, God, both here in this room and, and God, those that are listening at a, at, a, at a different place right now, God, that you would stir in our heart to answer the call of holiness. Lord, you see beyond what we see outwardly. Lord, you see the heart. So God, even if it looks good outwardly, God, whatever's going on internally, that you do that work first. Because we know once the heart is fixed, God, that's where the outward uh, actions will follow. So we just give this time and this evening over to you. Bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First Timothy chapter 4. Let's start in verse 12 through 16. Let's read the word. And again, I'm, uh, I'm sharing from the New Living Translation tonight. And it says in verse 12, it says, Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. 
Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on the reading, on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, who is uh, writing to his young protege, Timothy. And Timothy was somebody that Paul had entrusted ministry to, the church of Ephesus, as pastoral oversight. And, you know, Timothy was a young man. We see that in the scripture. You know, some commentators uh, would say is, you know, he could have been up to 40 years old. So when you think of young, don't think of one of our high schoolers or middle schoolers, right? Uh, He was a young adult, but young for the position he was in. And I was processing as I was preparing this study, and I think about this uh, because of my own testimony, who came to the Lord a little later in my life at the age of 27, where I finally surrendered to Christ. And although I can share my testimony, and I have uh, times with the youth many times, uh, and, and it can be powerful to think of how far away from God I was to where I am now, I can tell you that if I could go back, what I would change is to give my life to Christ at a young age. And what I love about Timothy is that is his testimony. You can read in 2 Timothy, the letter Paul wrote to him in 2 Timothy 1, that he reminds him how he was trained up in the scripture from a youth. And what a wonderful testimony to have. But some of us have the testimony like the Apostle Paul, because you know Paul had one of those dramatic testimonies on the road to Damascus, where he was on his way to persecute Christians. Saul of Tarsus was, you know, how he was most known at that point. And on the road to persecute Christians, had a personal encounter with Jesus where he was blinded and uh, had to spend some days uh, recovering, uh, you know, committed his life to the Lord, trained up in the ministry, and, and God used him in a mighty way. And, you know, God uses both testimonies, but I just love the testimony that Timothy has here. And Paul, as a mentor, is now giving him instruction. And instruction ultimately to holiness. Now, holiness, the first thing I would uh, give to you as a point is to understand in holiness is a right relationship with God. To have holiness, that's a result of right relationship with God. Now, as you process what what, uh, he's saying to Timothy through this section, that's one of the things you'll see is it's not about um, this checklist of do's and don'ts. Uh, That's not really where God is leading us to. God is asking for us to cooperate and to participate in his plan. And that's essentially what he's telling Timothy. He's reminding him of his calling. He's saying to be an example. Don't despise your youth. Uh, Go forth with the things you've known and learned from even as a child. And that's what we'll see uh, here in 1 Timothy. So let's jump in to verse 12, and we'll look at the verses we covered in a little bit more detail. But remember, this is the call to holiness for us. And I pray for us as a church that we would take these points that Paul gave Timothy, understanding that they were inspired by God himself. So let's look at the first thing in verse 12. In verse 12, he said to be, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young but be an example to believers in what you say, in the way you live, 
and your love and your faith and your purity. And we, we can look, first of all, at the, the call not to let anyone uh, think less of you because you are young. As I had mentioned, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, a, a high schooler, uh, but Timothy was, was a young man. And as you think about that, oftentimes wisdom is, is, is associated with age. We often look at and say, well, what is wisdom? Somebody with more life experience. And if we're honest and not careful at times, we can look at somebody younger than us with lef- less life experience than us and almost in a way to think that they don't have anything of wisdom to offer me. And, and it's a challenge. This is a challenge that I think we have to catch in the moment But when you have that mindset, uh, I don't believe that that's an accurate mindset. I actually think that that's a position of pride when we come to a place to think that somebody younger than us has nothing of value to show me. And and so a first point there, and and that's why Paul is saying he recognizes this. This uh, this has been part of, uh, I'm sure, culture uh, since the beginning, is that younger people can be looked down upon just because of their age. But he says, don't let them look down on you. Don't let them despise your youth, as it says in the New King James, but be an example. Be an example. And this is where we can crush any of those misconceptions about us, about age or any of that. And where we can crush that is by our example, being a role model. And as you think about that call to holiness, I would encourage each of us to reflect, what does it look like for me, and have I been a role model to those around me in my Christian walk? Could others look to me and say, as Paul said in another section of Scripture, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Am I an accurate reflection of Christ? Am I being the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Uh, and that's that heart. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy here. That's what he's being instructed to, uh, you know, to be an example, be that role model. And here's, those, here's five things he says. He says, in what you say, in how you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Let's look at each of those as it relates to holiness. So the first thing is, uh, actually, let's look at Proverbs. So he says, uh, be an example in what you say, in what you say. So Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. This is a good scripture to remember as it relates to our words. I'm sure many of you know it, and many of us, uh, most of us can say how true this is. Uh, Proverbs 18.21, it tells us that the tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And essentially, this proverb is just pointing out a simple truth. And this truth is this, that our words can build somebody up and encourage them, or our words can tear somebody down and destroy And you think about relationships that are lost and relationships that are damaged, and so often it happens because of something said. So to be an example in what we say, and I want to give you guys uh, some, some examples of what it looks like to speak life and some examples of what it looks like to speak death. And they all start with a C to help you, uh, you know, to take these notes and hopefully to remember that. But to speak life and to be an example in word is somebody that has a controlled speech. So controlled speech would be to think carefully before you speak. It's somebody that would know when silence is best. And it is somebody that gives wise advice. So think about that in controlled speech. And I like to use this analogy. So often, the very first thing I'm going to say that come, that's going to come out of my mouth is probably my flesh. 
It's going to be a reaction. And so I want to be careful in that very first thing to take a moment to pause, to pray, and to respond. And that would, that would help you uh, and help really the Holy Spirit to work through you to have that controlled speech. Caring speech would be the next way to speak life. So caring speech is to have kind and encouraging words, to speak truthfully. And, and here's an important thing to note, to speak truthfully even when you have to say uh, something hard in love, when you got to speak the truth in love. And you got to remember Jesus. Jesus was, of course, he was our humble model. He, he modeled humility to, for us. He was meek and, and, and he was gentle. But you also have to remember he was without sin and he had to say a lot of hard things. He had to share the truth in love. And so there's oftentimes we can, uh, you know, not to use, we have to be careful to use scripture against someone else. So if they come to us with a hard word, whereas Christians, we are told to admonish one another. You can look at Colossians 3 and that word admonish means like we need to correct one another. If we as believers with a fellow believer see somebody living in a way short of the the holiness of God and this holy life he's called us, we're called to admonish. And so there are times that uh, we need to, in this controlled or in caring speech, really, uh, that we need to uh, speak the truth in love. But of course, always with that spirit of gentleness, always speaking, uh, speaking that truth in love. Now let's look, at the, uh, uh, let's look at the speaking words of death. Is that proverb say that there's, the tongue can bring death or life? So words of destruction or words of death are conniving speech. These are those, when someone that would speak flattering words with wrong motives, somebody that would gossip and slander, sarcasm in the sense of uh, not playful sarcasm, but that, you know, having that, uh, the sarcasm or um, somebody that's manipulative with their words. Uh, and it just, it fits that word con or conniving. And you can think about that. And a lot of times it comes down to the heart of what we're saying and the motive of what we're saying. You think of uh, careless speech, of words of death would be careless speech with cursing or, or that bad or mean or insensitive jokes lies and anger and foolish counsel. So as we would process what Paul tells Timothy to be an example in what you say, knowing that high call to holiness, to answer that call, one of the things that God is instructing us is how we use our words. And, and I love the scripture. Uh, it's in Psalm, I think it's 141, Psalm 141, verse 3. I hope I quoted it right. Uh, but it says, Lord, Set a, you know, it's David praying to set a guard over my mouth. And I tell you, that is, a, that is a good prayer to have from time to time, especially when you notice yourself falling into the, one of those other two uh, types of speech to, to pray that. Pray the Lord would, would set a guard over your mouth. Let's go to the, the next one. And the next example is uh, Paul would tell Timothy to be an example in how you live. This is your conduct. This is your character. And as you think of your conduct and character, it's not just what you, how you're living when you're at church. Uh, I was processing this message, and I thought, you know, in a call to holiness, and as you think of some of those examples, it's so much easier to model those in this building. Amen? Like, it is way easier to be in this building, uh, to be around our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, and to model some of these attributes of holiness. But to be an example in how you live, this is one of those where he's talking outside of the church. You know, to be an example in how you live is where people are going to be looking at your life, Timothy, as a young man, as a one that's been entrusted as a pastoral oversight of this church. You've been entrusted with much, so be an example in how you live. 
And, and think about the position and the place that God has placed you in your life. And God has placed you strategically to be an example in how you live. That those that would interact with you, that they would, uh, most people uh, don't, have, don't read their Bible daily, don't spend time in church. You might be the only Bible they get, the only Christ they see. And I pray that we would be that example in our life. Uh, so you think about, too, your reputation in that. Like, what is my reputation on the outside? And this is something, like I had said, not a checklist, but a reflection. Take a moment to reflect that between you and God and say, Lord, how am I living? How is my reflection of, of you in that regard? The next example that uh, Paul gave to Timothy was to be an example in your love. In your love. And of course, this is that, that, that word uh, from the Greek agape. So the, the perfect love. Be an example in your love. Agape means, this agape love is that love that always benefits others. As you think of agape love, this is that holy, perfect, sacrificial love. That selfless love. That love that you will find in 1 Corinthians 13 that has all of these attributes of our Lord and Savior, but also the attributes of what God calls a believer. How do we know that we're a follower of Christ? Jesus said, you'll be known by your love. You'll be known by your love. And if there was one that was the most important on this list, even though it's listed third, I would say that if you, get, if you are abiding in the love of Christ, and as you abide in the love of Christ, you can be sure these other things and the fruitfulness of these other things are sure to follow. To answer that call of love, like God, stir up love within me, this agape love, that unconditional love. This is the core of who God is, and it's a characteristic of every true follower of him. So Timothy, church, Calvary Church, be an example in your love. As we would, uh, as we would go out into this world, we, we see a world full of hate and a world full of division. And, you know, God, more so now, is, is not wanting us to get caught up in the things that are, are caught up in the wrong battles. Like God wants us to be heavenly-minded, uh, to be kingdom-minded for him. And so be an example in your love. And the next one, he says, to be an example in your faith. Be an example in your faith. And, of course, this is your faith in the Lord. Um, but this is also, when you look at that word, it can be your faithfulness. To be an example in your faith and trust and taking steps of faith. Uh, and taking steps of faith, uh, one of the simple examples is like stepping out of your comfort zone. Right? Stepping in, in that, you know, anytime Pastor Ed gives me an invitation, I tell you it's always a privilege and blessing to be up here. But then there's also, too, there's that thing to say. Anybody else? Is there anybody else to take that? Because it can be, it surely can be a little intimidating. But, uh, but here's the thing. You have to know that it's not about pleasing any person, but it's, it's about the Lord. Like when the Lord gives those things to you, yeah, he's going to call you to step out of your comfort zone. Because if it was always easy and comfortable, uh, it wouldn't be true faith. So keep that in mind as you want to be an example in faith, to take, take a step out. If you know God is calling you, and if you have that prompting, uh, it's, I appreciate the prayer point that Tori gave of obedience uh, and trust, and like that it would be an immediate obedience or that immediate yielding to the Lord. Uh, and that really is the heart of God and stepping out in faith. But even in the, the depth of that word that Paul gives to Timothy is to be an example in faithfulness, that we would be trustworthy. And think about your work, for instance, and how you are at work. Are you somebody trustworthy? 
Are you somebody that uh, can be, uh, you know, committed to, uh, you know, to much responsibility? And that's the, the heart of what he's saying, too, is, is your faithfulness. Be an example in your faithfulness. As people aren't going to despise your young, that you're young or despise your youth as you are an example in your faithfulness and your trustworthiness, that you're given these things and these tasks and you, uh, and you do so at a high ability and high quality. He told him the last thing to be an example in your purity. And, and this might be one of the most glaring examples of missing the mark and falling short of the holiness of God when we're not, uh, you know, living in purity. And it's, this is uh, probably one of the easiest and, and quickest ways for the devil, the enemy of our souls, to stumble people, both man and woman, to stumble us, to, uh, to trip us up into sexual immorality, knowing that that's, uh, you know, just an easy and quick way to get somebody out of the will of God and to fall into, uh, into a mindset of being impure, um, especially in that, that really at the heart of what Paul's telling Timothy, it absolutely is in line with that, his sexual morality, that you, would, um, that you would maintain not what the world, not what you see from our culture and from our world, even in their day, but you can take it modern day as the word of God is powerful and, and, and relevant even today. You can know that the same is true for us. That is very true, that we would remain pure. And as we answer the call to holiness, we have to remember purity is one of those marks that God is calling us to. And, and you know, I, I, I just, it's, uh, it's so unfortunate to know how successful the, uh, the porn in- industry is, uh, to know that there are many uh, who have been caught up in adultery, that many that are uh, living in fornication, that there are many that are, you know, living in a, uh, in a relationship that is outside the parameters of what God has called to be right and holy. And again, as, as believers, let it not be named among us. If that's a struggle that you have, this is something today, I, I really encourage you to answer the call of God, that you don't need that thing, that God's plan is better. God's plan is better. And it may be hard and it may be difficult. And hey, we all have our flesh and our flesh is real, but God is stronger. And it's him that gives us the desire and the power to do what he has called us to do. Let's go back to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and let's look at verse 13. So we see those five examples that are very clear and laid out there of of things, uh, of what it looks like to answer the call of holy living. And as we continue on in verse 13, he's, uh, Paul goes on to say, Until I get there, focus on the reading of the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. And what I see here in verse 13 is just a really practical point of how answering this call of holiness. And, and very simply, just to be in the word. Very simply to be in the word, to establish a devotion time in church. Let's guard that time. Let's guard that time. And as I would humbly share before you, that was one of the areas that God was telling me to wake up. Wake up. Yeah, the, you know, my devotion's there and I have study, but I was just getting lax. It was becoming routine. But let's be real. Like, to devote, a time devoted to God is, again, it's, he doesn't want us to come with a checkbox mentality like I did it, I read a couple of verses or saw, you know, that verse of the day, but to, to talk to him. And to let him speak to us. That's, that's prayer, uh, you know, prayer, you know, us talking to him. And then in our devotion time in the word is him speaking back to us. I, I firmly believe and trust the, the, the way you're going to hear the voice of God the most clearly 
is through the word of God. And although he speaks in different ways, sure, he can speak through a sign and a wonder. He can speak through our feelings and he can speak through somebody else. I tell you, uh, God speaks to us through his word. When you prayerfully commit a time and devote a time to him, he will speak to you. And he speaks loudly and clearly for ears that are open and ears that are attentive to him. So be in your word. Establish a devotion time. You know, for, for Timothy, it was, uh, you know, of course, to encourage believers and teach. And maybe for some of you, that's where God is calling you beyond just, you know, the, the knowledge you have right now. But he's calling you to that next level. And because in holiness, there's always maturity. In holiness, we're not going to, because God alone is the, is, the, is the epitome of holiness. And we'll never get to God's status. But what God is looking for is that steady growth. That there should be steady growth and steady growth. And maybe for some, and back even to faith, that in faith you need to step out and, and not just uh, receive the word, but now it's time for you to proclaim the word, to use the spiritual gifting. And we'll get there here in verse 14. So jump to verse 14, where he tells them, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. And so we see this important calling of Timothy. You know, Timothy didn't uh, self-appoint. He wasn't appointed himself. He didn't uh, promote from within. And, uh, you know, Timothy was prophesied over. He had hands laid on him. He, he, there was a calling recognized in his life. And, and he was, uh, you know, the, just anointed with this spiritual gift. And, and I think it's important for us to, uh, to pause and take a quick look at spiritual gifts and, and a definition of what is a spiritual gift. So spiritual gift is a God-given ability to perform what God has instructed us to do. So for every believer in Jesus Christ in the room today, just know you have at least one spiritual gift, that God has given you a spiritual gift. And in answering the call to holiness, we got to know that these spiritual gifts are not just for our use. These gifts are for one another. They're for one another. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11 gives us some good insight in spiritual gifts. It tells us that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Well, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then, do, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ and all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So in 1 Peter, we see two types of gifts. We see that there are some spiritual gifts that are speaking oriented and some spiritual gifts that are uh, in helping or serving. All right. And so uh, there's a lot to say about spiritual gifts. Um, what I would encourage you to do is, is to pray, what is your spiritual gift if you do not know? Like, ask God, what is the spiritual gift that you've given me? And I'm going to give you guys some examples of types or categories of spiritual gifts. And they can, uh, you can see in the scripture, the motivational giftings are found in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. So those are the seven primary motivational spiritual gifts. Pastor Ed did a study on this. You can go back into the app. Um, look at the spiritual gift series, and you can, you, you can pray through which of those seven gifts represent me. 
there's the manifestation of spiritual gifts. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. And so you see the gifts that uh, you know, may come upon you, uh, a, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, discerning of spirit, healing, uh, tongues, prophecy, you know, that moment of prophecy, um, you know, probably like what Timothy experienced when the church prophesied over him. That was a manifestation of prophecy there. And then we see the gifts of ministry. Gifts of ministry in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. And remember that all of these are for one another to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That, that essentially is spiritual gifts. And so as you answer the call to holiness, it's important for us to know, well, what is, what is my spiritual gift? God, how do you want to use me uniquely within this body? Because if we were all the same, you know, we wouldn't function, you know, as the way that God would want his church, that we are that reflection of him. So God has given each of us different giftings that what you'll notice within a church, within a church is you'll see each of those gifts represented, each of those gifts modeled, and, and just a beautiful thing. And so as Paul tells Timothy, don't neglect your spiritual gift. Don't neglect your spiritual gift, church. That's a good word for us. Don't neglect that gift. Let's, let's stir it up within us. God, stir up that gift within us. In verse 15, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, he says to give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. I like how the New King James would put that and says, let your progress be evident. So throw yourself into the task. Like I, I wonder what that looks like. You know, what, is, what tasks did Timothy have that Paul is saying, throw yourself into those tasks? It's almost like don't be lazy. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't just do something halfway, but do it to the fullness. You know, before I came into uh, to ministry, I was uh, in retail management. And I can tell you in, in, in management, one of the things that would be the most frustrating is to see half-done projects all over uh, the building. You know, you would go in and just like, you know, the place would be a mess. And you're like, what is going on? And you see like, you know, somebody started something, didn't finish and jumped to something else. And it's like, finish what you start. Yeah, and that's the, you know, this is almost the heart of what we see here is give complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into the task so that everyone will see your progress. And an important thing in a spiritual, uh, in a spiritual mindset as we answer the call to holiness is that we should see an increase in our fruitfulness day by day. Now, that might be a heavy statement, but, and here's what I mean by that. And I, and I love to uh, think of, uh, you know, even as we highlight the youth and the young people in the church a little bit, I want you to think of a, of a child, of a young child. Now, if you stare at a young child, you, you can't say, I'm watching them grow. But I can tell you they're growing. Well, sometimes it might feel like that. You might turn, you, you know, blink and look back, and it's like, whoa, you just grew a couple inches. But literally... Literally, if you stare at a child, you're not going to watch them grow. But you know that they're growing. That day by day, they're growing. And you can make benchmarks, right? You can make benchmarks to see their progress. And you can look from this time to three months from now to a year from now, and there will be measurable growth. And that's what we need to look at in our hearts and in our life and in our walk with the Lord, that if we're walking and answering the call of holiness, you can be sure there is going to be a day-to-day -day increase in your maturity. And that's what God would call for us. When you answer the call to holiness and answer the call to holy living, it, there's going to be a maturity and a growth. And we know a lot of growth can come with pain because what does Jesus say? When you abide in me, I abide in you. 
and, I, and there's a pruning that happens. There's a pruning and a cutting off of things for more growth. But maturity and, and progress and what he's saying, don't let them despise your youth. Be an example, but let them see your progress. Let them see your maturity. You know, that's one of the ways that they won't despise our youth is they'll know that, hey, there is maturity and progress in our life. Let's look at this last verse in verse 16. In verse 16, it says to keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. And very simply, church, this call of God to holy living is not just for our own spiritual well-being, but it's for the well-being of those around us. As you look at that and as you consider what Paul had told Timothy, the same is true for us. Like to answer this call is for our benefit and for the benefit of those around us, for the benefit of our family, for the benefit of our friends, for the benefit of a dying world that apart from Jesus Christ is going to be separated for all eternity. Like never forget that. It's a hard message and it's unpalatable to the world, but it's the truth. It's the truth when we come to knowledge, when the veil is taken away, is that we were once dead in our trespass and sin. So why would I dare live there anymore? And as I was dead in my trespass and sin, I got to know that there's a world that's dead in their trespass and sin. So I want to be that example. He says, in doing so, you would, it's not only for your salvation, but the salvation of those who hear you. So as followers of Jesus today, we're living in days that we're being challenged even more. Challenging times, tough times, Perilous times, as you would, you know, if you read in 2 Timothy 3, perilous times, dangerous times that we live in. And we're being challenged by God, I believe, today to holiness, to holy living. And, and just process that in your own life. I want to give you guys some takeaways today. And I pray we would. I, I pray we would answer God's call to holiness. But some things to, to, to take as you leave. First thing, to remember that God calls us to holiness because his plan is better than our plan. As we think of God's holiness and, and that call that he has for us in these things, as he works it in us to will and to do, because his plan is better than our plan. And it may sound challenging. It may sound like, I've, I've, you know, you might think, well, I've tried and I've failed. And, and God says, stop trying and start trusting. Stop trying to start trusting in me. Stop trying to achieve and just receive what I've told you I would give you. And, and that's the heart of what he says. My plan is better than your plan. That, that scripture, if you read it in prayer, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. His plan is better than our plan. That living a holy life of obedience to God is to live in true freedom. True freedom. When you abide in the holiness of God. When you answer that call, as we saw in Hebrews, that of holy living. When you abide in that you, you'll find the true freedom that comes in that holy life of obedience. And that living a holy life is a natural evidence of being saved by God's grace and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the, the truth of the matter is, we could never, uh, you know, holiness apart from God is impossible. Now, as, as you process this message, it, it's very important to remember. It's very important to remember that we have all fallen short of that. I mean, you can, we can literally go back and look at each of the five things, right? I mean, if we were going to do the checkbox thing, we could go back to those five things to be an example in what you say. All right, well, just how far back do you have to go to say, well, I, I spoke 
When was the last time you used one of those conniving or careless words? Probably not that long ago. All right, fall. Then you can go and think of be an example in the way you live. When was the last time you damaged your testimony a little bit because of uh, your actions? Yeah, maybe a little farther back, but yeah, that happened. Oh, be an example in love. Oh, you mean that perfect love? That sacrificial love? The, the love that's only to the benefit of others and not for yourself? Yeah, daily. Be an example in your faith. There's so many times that I don't want to step out of my comfort zone. But God is saying, no, step out in faith. Go deeper. I'm calling you deeper and deeper. And in your faithfulness. He says, be an example in purity. And so it's easy to look at a list like that and say, God, I've fallen short. This is why it's important to remember the holiness of God, church. That first we would accept what Jesus Christ has done, that he humbled himself. The Son of God came down and and lived a perfect life, modeled that perfect life for us, and then died the death we deserved. The Bible tells us that the one who knew no sin became sin for us, that we could become the righteousness of God. And that's the exchange. He says, I did it for you. I did it for you. So church, that's the call. To answer this high calling of holiness is just to believe Jesus. Thank you. You did that for me. So I'd ask as we have the worship team come up, who's ready to answer the call of holiness today? If you are, just put your hand out empty because we don't bring anything to God. We bring empty hands. So anybody that would want to answer the call of God to to holy living, Let's put our hands out. Let's pray. Let's ask God to bless our walk. And so, Father, we come before you, God, recognizing our imperfection, recognizing how we fall short so often. But, Lord, we want to, not that we're perfected, not that, we're, that we've attained, but, Lord, we want to press forward to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, would you take our empty hands and fill them. Fill them with the power, God. Let these hands be your hands. Let our feet be your feet. God, let our minds be your mind. Let our heart be your heart. God, that as we go forward, we would answer this call of holiness. God, as we live in the days we live in, Lord, help us to be in the right perspective. Lord, protect us from the distractions of the enemy. And, Lord, I thank you for a testimony like Timothy that had followed you in all, their, in all his days. Lord, may there be more and more of our youth that answer that calling. And God, I thank you for the many that you've delivered later in life, God. And we answer that call too. God, we give our lives to you, a holy sacrifice. God, bless us today. And bless us as we continue forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.